start the launch sequence. Are your kids ready for life after school? Let's get them ready. Hello and welcome in again, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode five of the launch sequence, helping you as parents give your kids the keys to launch their careers. Bill Priestley here with you. I hope things are well in your world, that your kids are not driving you up the walls, and if they are, that you've got a safe place you can hide from them. As I've mentioned before, we're building the steps to helping you understand the process to help maximize your child's ability to go after and get the career that they want. That's the purpose of the launch sequence. So if you're new, go back and listen to the first four podcasts. Yes, it's like a cumulative course. Sorry to scare you. Uh, But if this is a cumulative course, what you're about to get is a test. And don't worry, it's an open book test. What we've been talking about is building up the environment that is talking to your kids about life after school. What are you going to do after that? What are you going to do after graduation? And in the last podcast, I endeavored to show why the child, the 18-year-old, gets to make that decision. But they may not be able to follow through with it because they need help, more than likely a lot of help. We talked about the idea of using negotiation to come up with a compromise between parent and child to get to something that both can agree on, or at least live with. Today, I want to go back to something I mentioned a while ago that probably has your attention, especially those of you that are designing the career of your child, if not their entire lives. I mentioned in the last podcast that the decision of what comes next for an 18-year-old legally comes from the child. They are no longer a minor. They have the power to discern what they want to do from the avenues that they've been exposed to. Some of you might remember an episode of The Andy Griffith Show where Sheriff Andy Taylor gets into an argument with another man about Opie making decisions for himself. Now, I need you to listen to this because it's a point that needs to be made very specifically. There's a little bit of nuance here. In that case with Sheriff Taylor, we're talking about Opie as a young boy. For context's sake, if you really want to take this in the context that it's presented, the argument is over this man telling Opie he should do things the way he wants, and sometimes that might mean bending the rules. Sheriff Taylor responds and that it doesn't work that way. The man replies, well, why not let the boy decide for himself which way he wants to live, your way or mine? Andy answers by saying that he doesn't see it that way. If that were true... Opie would go off at the first flashy thing that has shiny ribbons on it, and when they realize it's got a hook in it, it's too late. All a parent can do is say, wait, trust me, and try to keep temptation away. Now, if a parent isn't careful, they can make that argument until the only opportunity appears that they want for their child, and then push them towards it, never giving the child a chance to follow their own life path and make that decision. you got to be really careful here. If you remember the movie Tangled, the Disney story of Rapunzel, you can see the extremes to which this psychology can go. There, Rapunzel is trapped in a tower by a woman posing as her mother, saying that the girl should never go against her because mother knows best. And if you've seen the movie, you get a very eerie presentation on how controlling an entity can be when the controlled doesn't know any differently. A colleague once told me that she was at a function with a lot of parents of high schoolers and that she could not get past the fact that each of these parents were telling other parents exactly what their kids were going to do. 
and it was the kind of things you'd expect from people who, whether their prediction was right or not, were making their kids live through their own dreams or their own ideas of success for their kids. Mine's going to go to law school. Mine is becoming a doctor. Mine is looking at architecture schools. Mine is becoming a veterinarian. Mine is going to be a university professor. These kids are in high school. I mean, come on. That kind of attitude forced on a child could rid them of any sense of individuality. There is no freedom in those lives when they're already designed, not to mention the fact there's probably 8 to 10 years of school left for all of them to become qualified for those positions. It reminds me of the story of a man with one of those desired careers. It was a Tuesday night, and the local school district was having an open house for people that were considering becoming teachers. This was during a time when schools were really pushing lateral entry to increase the number of teachers basically coming straight out of the workforce and right into the classroom. A relatively young man came in. He was in his mid-30s, and he was met near the front door by one of the principals in the district. The principal asked why the man was here, and he said he was really interested in becoming a teacher. The principal then asked him, well, what do you do now? The man replied that he was a heart surgeon. My goodness, replied the principal. Well, thank you for coming, and moved on to the next attendee. The meeting took place and a presentation was given to show what it might be like to become a teacher. Questions were taken, information was exchanged. At the end of the meeting, the principal sought out the man again and asked him, why did you become a heart surgeon? And the man said, well, my mother wanted to become a heart surgeon. She thought I had the aptitude for it, that I should help people in amazing ways. The money was certainly good and she was very proud of me. The man replied, so why did you decide to come to this meeting tonight? After a short pause, the man said, My mother died two days ago. They hadn't even had the funeral yet, and he was already looking for a way out of a career he very much disliked. Concerned, the principal couldn't help but ask one more question. So why do you want to become a teacher? And the man said something very profound. Well, on average... I do about four to ten surgeries a week. Most of these are fairly simple procedures. In many cases, I interact with my patients for a few hours in pre-op, then through the operation, and a few hours in post-op. Yet, I imagine what I could do with a number of students if I had a full year to work with them. In other words, the prestige, the money, the things that could extrinsically motivate a person to do that job didn't matter to the man. But the intrinsic motivation to work with people over the long haul was of greater importance to him. The point here is a good one. If we build our children's lives around our desires, we risk losing their happiness and fulfillment in the pursuit of our own ego. But if we surrender our desires in favor of their happiness and fulfillment— we teach them to believe in themselves and in their aspirations, which makes them more likely to succeed in the long run. Now, am I saying they should make these decisions unilaterally? No, but let me explain. Let's draw a line on the ground between a tree and a point 100 feet from the tree. Then let's take a piece of rope, 100 feet long or so, maybe just a little bit longer than that, tie it around the tree a few feet up and then stretch it out 100 feet so the rope is taut like a clothesline. By the way, clotheslines, for those of you that don't know what they are, that's a brand new way of drying clothes after you wash them by hanging them on a line and using wind power and heat from the sun to dry them out. It's very cutting-edge, clean energy stuff. You should, you should check it out. Anyway, let's pull that rope tight 
so that it's over the line we've drawn on the ground. The line on the ground is the parent's expectations of how the child's life is going to go. This is the plan that I have set for my child. This is the one that I think is best for them. They're going to go through high school, maybe college, get a great job, find a nice girlfriend or boyfriend, get married, buy a house, have a beautiful children, yada, yada, yada. Just an aside here real quick. Isn't that the old adage about why you should go to school to get good grades so you can get into college, so that you can get a degree, so that you can get a good job, so you can afford a house and a spouse and a car? Because if you do that, then I'll never have to worry about you that much? Think about that for a second. Now, again, the rope that we've tied is between two points. One was called birth. That's the tree. It's the point from which we originate, and we have no control over where or when we are born. The other end of the rope is, well, let's say death or end of life, however you want to put it. Now let's interject your son or daughter into this picture. They must hold on to the rope their entire life as they go from birth to death. And in the early going, they start testing this rope, pushing it and pulling it from side to side. But you as a parent keep trying to pull the rope taut so they stay on the line on the ground, which is your expectation of what they're going to do in life. Then they become a teenager, or even worse, they turn 18 and they start making decisions on their own, certainly about career as well as other things. And instead of picking something you have great confidence in that will help them achieve those other goals in life that you want them to, they jump after something that is well off the track you want them to be on, resulting in them really pulling that rope well away from the line of expectation that you have already drawn. Here's where our protective instinct kicks in as a parent. If we are steadfast in wanting our children to live their lives according to our expectations, we will absolutely stay on that line we've drawn to try and pull them back on it. But what happens is that the more they pull away, you at the end of that line have to move closer to the tree if you're going to stay on that line of expectations. And thus it can feel like death or end of life moves closer to the beginning of life, therefore causing anxious feelings and worry that perhaps they're not going to live as great a life as they possibly could. Or perhaps even worse, it may be much shorter than you would have liked it to be. Think of it mathematically. If you have 100 feet of rope tied at one end, you create a 100-foot segment. If someone pulls the middle of that rope 15 feet to one side, then the end of that rope must move closer to the fixed point, thus birth and death become closer. Therefore, in our heads, their life expectancy drops when they engage in behavior or action that we are either ignorant of, we believe to be dangerous or risky. No, this was not part of the plan. Don't you see what you're doing with your life? And so what's our natural reaction? Well, we yank the rope back as much as possible to get them back on the straight and narrow line of our expectations and give them what we think is the best chance at a long life. Now, what you think you're doing is in the best interest of your child, but in fact, it's, it could actually be possibly one of the worst. Not because of what it does to the child, though yes, you could be introducing some trauma into the situation if it's that serious, but more importantly, it's what it prevents from happening in the child. Studies have shown that when students lose their ability to be forward-thinking, in other words, having some control over their future, the effects can be wide-ranging from lower grades in school to lower self-esteem and self-confidence, not to mention much less optimism about, about their future if it's going to be controlled by somebody else, 
the research on this is very compelling because likewise, when they are forward thinking, when they do have some control and making those decisions about their lives, all of those attributes swing much more in the positive direction. So what should the strategy be? Well, you've got a few options here as a parent. Let's say the child yanks the rope 15 feet to one side. The parent that simply allows the child to do that will then change their position and move such that they recreate a straight line. In other words, it's still a 100-foot line segment. It's just moving in a different direction and cares nothing for the original expectation line. But that's just blindly following their impulse with no care at all. And we probably don't want to do that and just let them go without any checks and balances, especially if that new line that they've created goes over some pretty expensive options, like maybe going to a specialty school or going for a four-year degree with out-of-state tuition or going to a very expensive school. Instead, when they make their move, you don't move to line up the rope again. Rather, you just move one step to the side, maybe two. This sends the message to your child that you're at least willing to listen and you're not snapping them back to your expectations. But you also aren't completely on board with this, meaning you need to talk about it. And the child knows this because in order to maintain their position, they've got to feel the tension in the angle that they've created. Now, to relieve that tension, the child must educate the parent on what's going on here so that we're all on the same page. The more everyone is educated, the more you know, the more the rope segment straightens, and maybe even the child comes back a little bit to understand things from your perspective. Doreen Kelly, the former head of Ravenscroft School in Raleigh, North Carolina, put the job of a parent to me in a very specific way when it comes to career choice by likening it to an airplane flight where our child is the pilot and we are the air traffic controller. She said our job as parents is not to set the flight path of the plane from the beginning towards a destination. We've got to remember that the flight is going to take off no matter what we do as parents. Our job as parents, though, is to help the plane land safely at its destination. How do we do that? One, you got to figure out what the destination is first. By asking the question, what do you want? You're saying that all options need to be on the table. So you need to at least show that you're open to listening to their ideas. Help the child educate themselves and you on the more attractive options they're thinking about. Again, not giving into intermediate temptation just because it looks good but really do their homework. Identify the positive and negative aspects of a career because it's never all peaches and cream in one position. Push them to understand several things about this process. Three points here. Number one, the path they will have to take to get there from an educational and professional perspective. Not that there's work to be done, but they need to understand that there are hurdles that should be jumped so they'll be qualified for the job. That includes certain types of education, and maybe certain professional experiences they need to have to become qualified. Point number two, understanding the financial requirement that makes the journey possible. If they're required to go to college, how much is that going to cost? If they're required to go to specialty school, how much is that going to cost? Thirdly, what can they expect out of a job as a career? What are we talking about income? We're talking about benefits. What about those things that can establish the life perhaps that they want to live at that particular point? What I'm trying to say is that, yes, the child has the decision when it comes to career path, but the parent has the opportunity and responsibility to aid the child working as an objective participant in the career choosing process. That's why it's so important to start this process early.
So you can start the conversation early and be aware of it. Get used to it. Understand it. Repeat it. Be a partner in it. And maybe most importantly, show your child what 100% unconditional love and 100% conditional support looks like in wanting them to be successful in their lives. Because let's face it, if the child has those things and has pointed their rocket in a direction they want, the chances of them succeeding go through the roof as opposed to if they viewed parental involvement as an obstacle to those goals. Thanks for joining us here on The Launch Sequence. Lots more information headed your way. A reminder, send this to a friend or two and give us a review wherever you download your podcast. I always appreciate the support, keyword support, you give me there as well. Till then, Bill Priestley quoting Jane D. Hull, who once famously said, at the end of the day, the most overwhelming key to a child's success is the positive involvement of parents. I'll see you next time. The Launch Sequence is the official podcast of the Dream Job Factory. For more information, check out our website at dreamjobfactory.com, where you can view all of the tools we have to help your child identify a life path. You can also sign up for our newsletter to get the latest podcasts and information in the career discernment space for young people. We also invite you to join our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dream job factory. This has been the launch sequence, giving your kids the keys to launch their careers.